You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. My name is Nathan. I am your humble and obedient host. We've got Ben Solzer right there. He is the preacher who's a teacher of sanity. Ben, why don't you introduce... Oh! Oh, <laughs> oh Ben! Oh. How are you? Good. That's good. <laughs> what happened to your throat? No, nothing. I'm fine. Yeah. Just fine. Ben has a rare allergy to sanity, and so when things get too <laughs> sane... His throat begins to close. If you ever, <laughs> usually I'm just fine. Yeah, usually you're just fine. Yeah, in this world. <laughs> ever since Sleepy Joe was elected, uh, your throat's been wide open. Listen, Ben. Listen. Listen. I'm listening. We need you to introduce the other guy, and we need you to talk as quickly as possible while you do it. <laughs> got some snappy banner, see? Yeah, I got some snappy banner, uh, see? He's Pastor Jake Mitzel, see? He's the pastor of the Master of Sanity, see? He's right over there. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hello. A <laughs> fun fact, Jake is so sane. If Ben gets too close to Jake, Ben has ever never been within 40 yards of Jake. And we have a giant podcasting studio. <laughs> but if Ben gets close to like if Jake kissed Ben, he would die. <laughs> Scientists have said, follow the science. That's what I always say. Follow the science. I would also die. Yeah. yeah. Disgust. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Shots fired. Ow. <laughs> You'll never get away with that, see? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, okay, we got to get this train on the rails. I was going to say we have to get it back on the rails, but I don't know that the train was ever, <laughs> it was never on the rails. It was just sitting in the mud when we hit record. So we're going to lift the train, we're going to put it on the rails, and we are going to drive it all the way to Saint Town. Okay, we have a request from our friend. I'll call him the mysterious Scotty S. Gun. Yeah. Mm, gunny. Gunny. <laughs> the mysterious. Very mysterious. The mysterious Scotty Gun? Or is that what the whole thing? Or just the mysterious gun? I don't get it. Is this a reference? Is this a it's Top a Gun? It's a reference. It's not a Top Gun reference. It's a <laughs> reference to this person's name. <laughs> <laughs> What's his last name? I can't say. But I know what it is. This is awesome. Privately. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Jake just mimed. <laughs> So, folks, if you want a fun word riddle, this this person's name is what a gun does he. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, it's much fun that we can't bring the listener in on. Anyway, this. I, I had a very happy dinner with this individual, and this individual had an episode for us to do. And so, we're going to do it. And the episode goes as follows. The, the question, the thing that drives this person insane the splinter in his mind is Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, people like that. People who have become heroes, Jordan Peterson, perhaps even to an extent, people who have become heroes to the conservative right, heroes to Christians to a large degree, to anyone who's fighting for space in this decadent liberal Biden-flated world. There are these people. And Joe Rogan, famous pot smoker, famous... Mind Tripper, famous Bernie Sanders supporter, and Dave Chappelle. I don't have to say what he's famous for. He's famous for all kinds of things that we wouldn't want to claim morally. But really, the only thing that we might want to claim morally is that he has some questions about trans people and whether 
the thing that they're doing is actually reflective of reality. Uh, J.K. Rowling, I suppose I could throw into the mix. I mean, we can we can narrow it down or keep it as wide as we want to. But the basic idea is there's people who we kind of own, maybe because they're just thrown in with us, maybe because we like owning them, because they're suffering in some of the ways and for some of the same things that we do. And should we own them? Should we feel weird about that? Is it weird to... There's the question. I leave it stinking on the table for you gentlemen to clean up. What's the question? Should we own them? Yeah. Yeah, let's start there. See where we get. Is it weird for me to like Joe Rogan as a Christian? He's not. He represents a lot of really immoral things. But largely right now, he signifies things that are moral. If you just want to talk about like what, what are the things that jump into your mind with Joe Rogan. And yet, he's not. He's not a Christian. Should I trust him? Should I listen to him? Yeah. Should I feel weird about it? These are the questions I wish to explore. Not sure where to start pulling on the thread, which is I'm hoping one of you will know where to pull on the thread. But it's an interesting question. I thought it was worth dealing with this. Because I'm sure a lot of people feel insane about this, right? This is a show about things that make you feel insane. Like, wow, people who really seem to get it are people that I have nothing in common with, people that are going to hell. But I'd rather listen to them than the Gospel Coalition. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. I don't feel a lot of tension. I feel some tension, but not a whole lot of tension in say listening to Joe Rogan. I was talking to my discipleship group at our church this morning about uh, this sort of thing. One of them was listening to our episode on Jocko mm. Willink and I finished Jocko's book Extreme Ownership just yesterday. And maybe I'll just maybe I'll read what I wrote. So he he had been listening to it and was saying it was good stuff or whatever. And so I said, you know, I finished that book yesterday. Extreme ownership and I have zero hesitations recommending it to any man. The trouble with so many Christian books is they adopt a feminine form of piety that leaves men feeling like godliness goes against all their God-given inclinations. Jocko mm-hmm. understands leadership because Jocko's leadership was forged in the furnace of life and death situations where he had to lead manly men and they had to be ready to follow him and die in battle. He gets more right about men and is more in harmony with God's design for us as men than 90% of Christian authors out there. Not that he's godly or spiritual or that there aren't things he misses or gets wrong, just that there are universal qualities of manly leadership baked into our design and a pagan taking his cues from God's design will beat out a Christian taking his cues from an effeminate perversion of biblical masculinity. If there's room for, if there's more room for Samson and Gideon and David in the seals than in the church, we have a problem. Most churches should have signs that say, check your something at the door. Respect for church. Hat, I'm guessing. Yes. (laughs) Respect for church among men would go up because it would at least be honest. And so that was just like, I don't know, I was riffing a little bit on just thoughts I had about that book in particular. But I feel sort of the same way about Joe Rogan. And you see God does this with people across uh, history. There, There are often people that are for one reason or another more or less co-belligerents. They're not necessarily your friends. They don't necessarily, they're not Christians. Joe Rogan's a liberal. Joe Rogan, all kinds of horrible things. But Joe Rogan, he runs against the the mainstream media. He runs, he runs counter to the narrative that's being pushed in a lot of ways or is willing to question it or willing to talk to people who do and is interested in them. And is interested in having thoughtful conversations with a wide variety of people. And so anybody who is engaged in the world and engaged in the world in a thinking way 
especially if you're already coming from a biblical uh, frame of thinking that is already fundamentally opposed to the mainstream way of thinking, is going to find points with Rogan or his guests where you line up or where you think, wow, that's interesting, or wow, that's a helpful way of thinking about this. And I think that we ought to be humble enough that we're willing to engage and learn from all kinds of people. We're people of truth, not people of partisan alignment. Mm -hmm. And that should be what distinguishes Christians is the ability to be discerning, not that we go to everybody out there who has some junk opinion and listen to what they have to say in the name of being broad-minded, but that we are in the search of, of truth, willing to listen to pagans and willing to listen to anybody who's willing to think critically about things. And that's a large part of Rogan's appeal. Well, and you don't have guys like Augustine <laughs> or Martin Luther or John Kelvin or St. Thomas Aquinas. If you don't have people willing to stand on the shoulders of pagans and of truth, wherever they find it, all, all the great Christian thinkers, any truly great Christian thinker you could name has been not beholden, not idolatrous. You know, there's all kinds of bad ways you can go with it, but trained. They, yeah. They've been trained. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're willing to engage with Aristotle or, or Plato. Right. They're willing it, to engage with any number of things. And if Cicero said it better than some Christians said it, then they're going to quote Cicero. Calvin and not, will quote him. Yeah. Yeah. On it. Right. Like they'll do that sort of thing. And I think that's part of being mature. And it's weird that Joe Rogan is in this odd position of sort of being at the nexus of free thought in America, that this comedian, MMA fighter, commentator who hosted Fear Factor and has done a million weird things and likes to talk about his ayahuasca trips and doing mushrooms and smokes weed on his podcast. Like, there's just a lot that's just weird or bizarre. I'd go so far to say it's a shame. I, I wish I wish it wasn't. I wish we had somebody better than Rogan. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's part of God's judgment on us that Rogan's what we got. Yeah, and mm-hmm. part of part of maybe the the in God's judgment, the humor of it mm-hmm. that this guy who in other generations would essentially just be a, has more to say in a bigger platform when it comes to speaking truth to power than just about anybody in the country. It's a judgment on the church and against the church as well. And so, uh, and, and here's the thing too, that I think Christians who are trying to be faithful when it comes to biblical sexuality and any number of other things ought to recognize and at least appreciate. Joe Rogan, for better or worse, has been part of the... I don't know how to quite frame this because there have been people for decades and good Christian writers for decades who have been holding the line on biblical sexuality. But in terms of creating space for being able in, 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 in the public square for being able to say, I don't know, man's a man, Mm -hmm. a woman's a woman and, and things like that. Rogan's Rogan's done a lot to sort of create that space or allow that conversation to happen. And he's, he's pro-LGBT and any number of other immoral things. But there's a lot that he's done or been, a part, been used by God to, to do to create some space for 
is a conversation about what it means to ma- be a man and what it means to be a woman, for instance. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and again, it's sort of like what we talked about on our Jordan Peter- Peterson episode back in the day. Well, okay, you can like write a think piece for TGC about how Jordan Peterson doesn't really quite get biblical sexuality or whatever, but also Jordan Peterson's a phenomenon because there's a vacuum, mm-hmm. there's a void. And so before you go on your little think piece riff about why you understand biblical sexuality better than Jordan Peterson, ask the question, why, it, why is Peterson such a phenomenon and where might you have failed? Yeah, why aren't you? It's worth wrestling with. Yeah, and so the same thing should be said of, about Rogan and the degree to which, in either of those cases, Peterson and Rogan, the, the degree to which their moral courage has been a large part of the, the, their growing influence. With Peterson, a lot of it was his unwillingness uh, to use misgendered pronouns on campus, right? And he took a public stand on that, and that <coughs> garnered him a lot of goodwill with people of goodwill because, hey, here's somebody with a spine saying something obvious and willing to take a stand. And the same has been true with Rogan. Just He's going to have people on and talk about things that run against the narrative and you know, say things that in other eras just shouldn't be controversial mm-hmm. or let his guests do it. Right. Even if he doesn't agree with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't give Rogan a pass. I don't baptize him as a Christian. I don't think anybody should. Same with Peterson or, Chappelle with or Chappelle, yeah. any number of other people. But I think that there is a way that as Christians, we can have some appreciation for how God is using to create some protection for us, create some space for us, and we ought to admire their courage and also be ashamed of ourselves for the places where we don't have that kind of courage or have failed to have that kind of courage and seek out churches and shepherds who do. Um, I would also just make the very simple point, I do not think we can be so rigid in our understanding of total depravity that we do not allow for a spectrum of depravity and that we do not acknowledge the category that is the moral pagan and the moral pagan is going to hell. Right. I'm not saying he's not, but there Mm -hmm. is such thing. There, there are people who fear God to some degree and there are people who don't, and you are allowed to notice the difference even Mm -hmm. as you process. I think you're obligated to notice the difference. Exactly. You should notice the difference. You shouldn't get yourself twisted. You should actually be able to say Jordan Peterson for all his faults, is closer to the truth than this person over here. You should be able to make those judgments, and sometimes we get all twisted up as Christians, especially Reformed Christians. Yeah, and then and then you want to either baptize him so that you can feel he's e- one of us easy about Good. benefiting from him. No problem, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Or you have to reject him and everything he has to say. Well, that's that's not a Christian way of approaching anything, right? Actually, and I mean, common grace is a real thing, and that's why I think my gut ran to that. Jocko Willink book, which is just like rough and tumble stories of the battle for Ramadi and lessons on leadership that he learned. Some of it's pretty theatrical and and whatever, but the lessons by and large are really good lessons of just about just about what leadership actually is and what it actually looks like on the mm-hmm. ground. And that's just common in in these cases. It's common grace stuff. It's just like, hey. And it's clarifying, and it should be clarifying. And it's like we said in that podcast before, where it's like, we have to, in the church, marry 
actual leadership ability with biblical character and maturity. And there are churches that are cynical that will put in place people who have leadership ability because they have leadership ability, period, without regard for their moral character or their Mm -hmm. spiritual maturity. And then there are churches that are maybe in reaction to that or just foolish that will prize a moral character and put somebody into a position of leadership that is beyond them because they don't have that leadership ability and set them up to fail, right? And Mm -hmm. you have to, we have to be able to marry both of those things together. And so what a book like Extreme Ownership, where you have the the Navy SEAL talking about his lessons on leadership from battle is, oh yeah, real leadership is the ability to lead real men into real situations where something is at stake. What's more at stake than life and death? Well, I know it's heaven and hell. Right in the church, we ought to be more committed to real leadership, real masculine leadership than the seals are. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we forego the opposite side of that coin, which is moral character and spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. It's that when we look to leaders, we're looking for leadership material and we're pushing those men to develop the spiritual maturity and the moral character necessary to lead in the church. It's a higher standard than the seals. Mm-hmm. It ought to be. And so, anyhow, all that to say, when it comes to people like Rogan or Peterson and the traction they gain, and the traction they gain in our church, we ought to be willing to step back and say, wait, 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 maybe Rogan's out to lunch. Maybe there's, but maybe there's something that he's doing that is meeting a need or a felt need or something where we are failing God's people and our our communities and our cities. We ought to always be willing to ask that question. And then be thankful for the men God raises up to create space and to humble us in the process. Mm-hmm. I've been reading through the Old Testament. January just hit, so I'm back at the beginning. It's just fascinating how many times God raises up pagans to protect his people, to help right. his people, to teach his people. It's fascinating how many times his people get rebuked. There's Abram trying to pass Sarah off as his exactly wife, and then the, the king is like, what are you doing, dude? You almost made us sin <clears throat> and incur the judgment of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why would you do that to me? Right. And then yeah. he does it again, and then Isaac has the same story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's like, I don't know. You could have just said she was your wife like any godly person would do, <laughs> Abram. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, there, there's there's stories like that, and then of course there's the stories of people like Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know whether Nebuchadnezzar's in heaven or hell, but I knew, do know that he feared the God of Daniel when all was said and done. And the Bible's just full of those people, and you can't be too godly to acknowledge that category because then you're too godly for the scriptures and for the patriarchs right. and for the story of God's people. Well, the stones cry out. Yeah, you exactly. Better pay attention when they do. <laughs> right. And I just think we're so proud. We're like, you hear those stones cry out? Well, I can do it one better than that. I know even better than Jordan Peterson. It's like, no, actually, it should be a little chastening that he had to use the stones this time. It means you were probably getting something wrong. It means we, as a Christian culture, were probably getting something wrong. Or like, you were too cowardly, or we're too cowardly. to stand up like, at the time. Yeah, if Joe Rogan is our guy, that's humiliating. And it should be. that There's discipline in that. Um, and it doesn't mean we can't call out Rogan for where he's at he's out to lunch. I just mean, let's have some humility and some perspective on this and see our own failures. 
Yep. So no need to baptize these guys. No. no need to pretend like they're something more than they are. No need to pretend that their message is all that profound. Clean your room. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe before you decide to reconstruct society, look at your life and see if you've got that in order. Women are different than men. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, hey guys, I'm going to talk to the guy who was instrumental in creating the mRNA vaccines and see like the technology, see what mm. he has to say about the vaccines. Right. I don't know. That seems like not a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's toxic misinformation. Right. I, I guess I will say, as long as we're on the topic, there are certainly people that shouldn't listen to Joe Rogan. There are immature people who just like conspiracies. We've talked about them on other episodes. We don't have to go down this path, but I, I mean, you're going to like, saying. yeah, like if you're going to get sucked into everything, Rogan's going to talk about aliens and he's going to have all kinds of bizarre people. And the other thing about Rogan is that he is childishly crass mm-hmm. and constantly, consistently childishly crass. And that's immoral. It, it, it's immoral and... You, it it you degrades you to you listen to it. Yeah, you, it's, you, you become it's, more like that as you fill it, your mind with it. It's degrading. You can't ever flip on Rogan in front of your kids like because you just don't know what he's going to say or where the conversation's going to go. And so, yeah, this is a lot. That's gross and bad. Yeah. Your spiritual nutrition has to start with scripture and start with godly men, start with your church, start with your pastor, start. You, you cannot build a diet out of Rogan and you certainly can't build a diet out of J- Dave Chappelle. It's funny that he's been the outlier this whole conversation, but uh, yeah, you can't build a diet out of J- Dave Chappelle if anyone was confused about that. Scott Adams though. Scott Adams. Diet, yeah, yeah, good diet yeah, material. Yeah, good diet material. Just Scott Adams. Nah, these guys are like a little a little sprinkling, a little celery salt. Scott Adams was the <laughs> celery salt, and I don't know. I don't know what Joe Rogan is. He's like the garlic. Ah, right, guys, got any more thoughts? I do think the urge to baptize these guys is completely immature. It's people that just can't... I mean, you already said this, Jake, but I'm just piling on. It's people who can't deal with the tension of, uh, a sinner might have something to say. Uh, he must be a Christian. It's 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 just childish. Yep. It's the kind of childishness that's dogged the Christian church, dogged the church through millennia, though, because back in the day, the people trying to claim Plato, people trying to claim Aristotle, people yep. trying to claim all these guys, just people trying to claim the Odyssey. Well, the other thing that's, that's shameful is that it's these guys, it's, it, it is guys like Rogan or Adams or James Lindsay or whoever on Twitter that are teaching men how to argue. Mm-hmm. But it's not the Gospel Coalition. It's not celebrity church leaders. Like, they're not doing the work of teaching guys how to argue and think. Yeah. That's a shame, too. Yeah. I think that's that's a good point. I mean, these guys are just able to be, I hate this word, but winsome and <laughs> make their point and get in and get out and do simple things like like people used to know how to do. And that is a large part of their appeal. Well, I hope that helps you, Gunny. Gunny. <laughs> that's a good nickname for him. Gunny, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Anything else to say? I don't think so. Yep. The moral of this podcast is subscribe, like, and share Sound of Sanity. It's the only thing that should be in your spiritual and emotional diet, and it will make you great. And if you want to support it, you go to patreon.com forward slash Sound of Sanity. We're doing, oh man, if you sign up for $50 right now, you could get a baller T-shirt. It's it's quite it's awesome. cool. Should we tell people what the T-shirt is? Or nope, no, yeah, insiders only. Sorry, only 
only you can prevent forest fires and only insiders can know what this t-shirt is. So patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity today, behind the scenes videos, videos of us goofing off and having fun. I think one of these days we'll get around to recording some commentaries on certain things like the Ville and just a, a barrel of laughs and a barrel of t-shirts. If you sign up for $50, we'll get a barrel of t-shirts, but then we'll send you one if that wasn't clear. Final thoughts, Ben? <clears throat> no final thoughts. All right. Final thoughts, Jake? Nope. Until next time. Stay sane. <laughs>